When I first tasted the fruit of the trees, felt the seeds of life and knowledge burn within me, I swore that day that I would not turn back. When first I tasted the flesh of the kill, felt the tang of the blood and the crunch of the bones, I swore that day that I would not die. When first I tasted my own blood, felt the surge and the stir of my own life on my lips, I swore that day to love myself above all. When first I tasted the light of the moon, felt its glow in my womb and its wild tenderness, I swore that day to walk in night. When first I tasted the love of a god, felt the tearing rise of song and fire, I swore on that day to cherish the flesh. When first I tasted the salt of the sea, felt my blood become water as the sky fell behind me, I swore that day to descend and return with wonders. When first I tasted the love of a child, screamed with the joy of the new life, and wept for what I had lost and gained, I swore that day to nurture life as I had embraced death before. I swear by three times three times three that these seven moments shall remain my own, and whatever may transpire, no god nor man nor beast may take them from me. I swear by myself and my immortality. Before Cain and Abel, before the creation of Eve from the bone of Adam, there was Lilith. She was created alongside Adam, from the same soil as him, and by the same creator. She was cast out for refusing to submit to Adam, to lie beneath him as he wanted to couple with her, and for this she was punished, forced to wander the lands outside the garden and eventually becoming the mother of demons, birthing countless monsters that would plague the children of Adam and Eve. Or so the stories go. It is impossible to know the truth unless one would speak with Lilith herself. If ever the Book of Nod collected by Aristotle de Laurent are vague and apocryphical, what we know of Lilith are even more so. There is little written about her, and up until very recently she was but a figure of myth to most kindred. Yet when Rachel Dolium, a relatively young kindred, was sent to learn more about the Bahari, the worshippers of Lilith, she was instead converted, becoming a Baham herself, and through extensive periods of painful and ritualistic self-mutilation, she came to believe it was her duty to spread the truth about Lilith and, subsequently, Cain. She had little care for the masquerade, presuming she would be killed for her deeds regardless, and thus used the last of her money to print 20,000 copies of a book she had penned herself allegedly on the flayed skin of one of her fellow Baham, taken by Rachel while the old man was still alive. It is this book, The Revelations of the Dark Mother, that we will turn to to learn of Cain's mentor, the woman who took him in, cared for him, and gave him purpose anew. We will learn of Cain's treachery to her, we will learn of her three gardens, and we will come to understand that only through pain can we be enlightened. The narrative is Judaic, yet it is presented as having been penned in Hebrew, then later translated to Greek and Bahara. Just like with Cain, 
This is one interpretation of events, and not necessarily the truth. Make of that what you will. We must, however, also understand that the Bahari do not worship or study Lilith like those who study Cain. Theirs is a garden ever-growing, twisting and turning with its own life. Consider thus these stories to be symbolic. The rape of Lilith by Adam can be read as that, but the actors, the place, and potentially even the deed itself may be reinterpreted to have a deeper meaning of theft of agency, violation, and cruelty. Make no mistake, the revelations of the Dark Mother is about suffering. It is about pain. Nothing was given easily to Lilith. She had to take it, to endure trials and pains for years on end, to suffer betrayal at every corner by those whom she would lower her guard for but for a moment. And that is the lesson she shares with those who follow her. Only through pain can we be enlightened. Only through loss can we understand love. The revelations speak about the Elohim. They, unlike the Ancient One, the true creator of the universe, were similar to what we consider angels today. The book makes Jehovah, or Yahweh, the greatest shining one, the firstborn. The Elohim would make gardens, and Jehovah's garden was grand indeed. But he was filled with a longing. He sought to deafen it by eating and drinking of whatever he could find, but nothing would slake that hunger for company. In his mourning he would cry, and when his tears hit the earth of the garden, a creature arose that was both male and female, joined at the back. Jehovah made them two, equals, and they were Ish, or Adam, and Lilithu, or Lilith. Adam was set to rule over and name the animals of the garden, and Lilith was given the power of fertility and intuition. Hers was to tend to the plants of the garden. For some time the two lived in peace in Eden, yet Lilith, who cared for the trees, came to learn about the trees of life and knowledge. She was forbidden from eating them by Jehovah, who warned her that they would destroy her from the inside out. Yet she did, eventually, when the fruits fell from the tree, and thus she would become like one of the Elohim. But unlike Adam and his future wife Eve, she was not ashamed of her nakedness. She hid the fact that she had eaten of the fruit, but she was now something other than Adam. She would understand good and evil, for one, and she learned to construct tools, and would eventually study how to hunt as Adam did. She offered to teach him of the plants, but he rejected that idea, and with her tools, and the owl, the cat, and the serpent, animals that would come to be connected deeply with Lilith, she would soon surpass Adam's skills. And when Adam saw that Lilith was better than him at hunting, a seed of jealousy was planted within him. Eventually it would come to be that Adam, who had slaked his lusts on the beasts of the garden, was told by Jehovah to do so instead with Lilith, who was his equal. Yet Lilith was disgusted by Adam, who had been with the beasts, and when he told her to lie down on her back she refused. Adam would proceed to rape her then, taking her by force, and Lilith was forced to call out the true name of their creator, who then brought her to him, leaving Adam alone and wroth. Adam's jealousy was clear, so Jehovah created for him another woman from the earth. Yet Adam saw her creation, and it disgusted him, and he refused to name her or be with her. So Jehovah then created Eve from Adam's bone as he slept, and they would become a pair. Many Bahari pity and look down upon Eve and those descended off her. They claimed that she was nothing but a servant of Adam, and only by embracing Lilith 
Adam's equal, could any woman claim their respect and approval. In a sense, by drinking the blood of Lilith, which is how one symbolically becomes a Bahari, it could perhaps be considered an embrace, or even a second embrace, and the removal of oneself from the lineage of Adam. Lilith, however, was taken up to the heavens to be with Jehovah. Astounded by her strong will and the power she had taken for herself, he loved her, and the two would in turn become lovers. There was true love there, but when Lilith said that she desired to be his equal, just as Adam's, Jehovah was jealous and wrathful. He banished her from his sight, throwing her out onto the dust between the many gardens of the land. Within her she carried the seed of Jehovah and the seeds she had taken into her from the trees of life and knowledge. Seeds would come to be a recurring motif amongst the Bahari, and here they symbolize that just like the garden, Lilith could plant these seeds in others and tend to them, bringing the same enlightenment to them as she herself had experienced. Lilith would not die, despite her suffering, and while she did wander the wastes for many years, lashed by the winds and finding neither food nor water anywhere, she survived and persevered. Eventually she would find the endless seas and there she would sink, lowering herself into its cool, merciful depths and spending much time there. She would there give birth to the seed of Jehovah, bringing to life the countless beasts of the sea, and she would be their mother and queen for some time, yet she would eventually wish to make her own garden, and the gardens and the waters were claimed by another. She began to wander once more, visiting the gardens of many other Elohim. It is presumed that she stayed at each for a while, enjoying their company, taking some of them as lovers and then moving on, learning more about them and herself, and exploring her nascent powers. Some believe that during this time Lilith would become the first mage, or that she at least was one of the founders of the Verbena traditions of magic, yet of course none can say for certain. The other Shining Ones considered Lilith quite a unique character, for unlike them, she was a thing of flesh and of spirit, a blend of both the physical and the spiritual world, and thus they were fascinated by her very existence. Eventually, however, Lilith's journey would take her to Eden, where she would meet the Elohim Lucifer, the Lightbringer, made to stand guard outside of Jehovah's garden and prevent her entry. Jehovah had placed him there because he was worried that Lilith would wish to exact revenge upon him and destroy his garden. Lilith approached Lucifer, and the two spoke at length. He asked her if she was there for vengeance, but she was not, and he knew that it was true. Affection grew between them, and Lucifer gave her a garment of the night, making her the queen of the night in turn, as he would be the king of the day. Moved by his generosity, trust, and kindness, she decided not to trouble the Garden of Eden with her presence, instead departing to make her own garden, inviting Lucifer Morningstar to join her there if he so wished. Lilith made her garden, her first garden, and it was a night garden, for she planted in it star seeds from the sky that would not grow under the light of the sun. Yet Lilith was filled with an emptiness similar to that which had struck Jehovah. She desired a garden such as his, and she desired his love even after he had cast her out. She planted the seeds that she had carried in her belly for so long, the seeds of the trees of life and knowledge, yet they would not grow. And in her anger and sadness, Lilith destroyed her first garden, her night garden, and departed once more for Eden. Jehovah had not told his brother Lucifer about his love for Lilith, or why she had been banished, and thus the Lightbringer explained to Lilith what he had been told to watch for. 
Jehovah had lied to Lucifer, had called her a dark and small creature, one filled with evil spirits, and it saddened her to hear such lies. Yet she was also proud to have caused such fear and strong emotions in the one who had created her. Lucifer allowed her inside the garden, for she had promised him before that she meant no harm, and thus she disguised herself as a serpent and learned the secret of growing the trees from the trees themselves. Learning how it had been done, she swallowed seven fruits from each, for that was what was needed to grow new trees. Yet before Lilith could leave the garden, Eve came to sit beneath the tree of knowledge, and Lilith took pity upon the poor creature. She told Eve to eat of the apple, and Eve did so, and was thus brought to tears by all of what she would learn. The two are then said to have made love beneath the tree of knowledge before Adam would be brought to the tree by the sound of Eve's weeping. Lilith departed, Owl having seen Adam's approach, and Eve shared the fruit of the tree of knowledge with him. It is said then that Adam realized all that he had done and deeply regretted how he had treated Lilith. Rachel's personal commentary on this seems to indicate that she suspects it might be a later edition, an attempt to try to humanize Adam, thus accounts differ. It seems from the previous readings that he had done quite a few things to be ashamed of, so it is not unlikely that he may have experienced some remorse on the matter. What followed was the wrath of Jehovah, for in creating his garden he had hoped to keep forever the eye of the Ancient One open. For before this cycle, there had been 332 other worlds, the Ancient One opening his eye every 55,555 years and closing it again after equal time had passed. Thus Jehovah had tried to circumvent this, to create an eternal paradise and remove himself from the cycle of creation and destruction. But through Eve, Lilith had brought an end to this conceit. The Shining Ones would gather to see the ruins of Eden, destroyed by the angered Jehovah, who would proceed to curse Adam and Eve and Lucifer and Lilith, as well as himself perhaps the most. For as all of this had started with his loneliness, so too would he remove himself from all that he had created. He would be one, alone, for all of eternity, never allowing himself again the company of another. The other Elohim at first wished to destroy Adam and Eve, yet seeing the love the two shared, they refrained, instead setting three of their own kind away to guard the humans from the wrath and vengeance of Lucifer and Lilith. They departed then, sparing Adam, Eve, Lucifer and Lilith from their wrath. And Lilith and Lucifer went far away, to the edge of the endless sea, and raised their own garden there, and they bore three sons and three daughters, but they did not die. Lilith would tend to the garden with her children, while Lucifer continued to carry the day, remaining the Lightbringer. They were night and day, and so it would be for many years, until a young, broken man would come to be found by Lilith, cast out and rejected by his father for a dark and terrible deed that could not be undone. He was Cain, and Lilith saw the pain within him. She took pity upon Cain, this broken husk of a man, this first murderer, and she brought him with her to the garden, the second garden known as the Hainu, the Garden of Renewal. There she would embrace him like her own child, accept him, but she also saw the fear in his heart and she hated it, just as she hated the man who had fathered him. She tended to his wounds, 
fed him, and taught him what would later become the disciplines of his kind, before she finally brought him into her garden. She made her garden a terrible place, where through pain Cain would grow strong. Only through suffering could he learn his own strength. She anointed him with her blood, and then she would lash him with her vines and thorns. Cain would come to understand himself, and he came to understand what he had done. Finally, he was no longer a cowering child, but a man who too could water the gardens of Dehainu with his blood. When the Elohim came to him to offer forgiveness, he did not accept it, knowing and accepting then that it was his sin, and only his then to absolve. Even as Cain then left the garden of Tehainu behind to continue his wanderings, Lilith and her children would continue to tend to its growth. And so they did for a long time, Tehainu growing to rival even Eden's splendor, yet it would not last. For Cain would return to the garden with his childer, and they slew Lilith and Lucifer's children, and ate of their flesh, and stole the riches of Tehainu, and burned what remained to ashes. He laughed at this, Cain, the first murderer, and together he and the Thirteen would return to his first city with their spoils. Only Nosferatu and Toriador took no part in the slaughter. Lilith would then create her third garden, the Garden of Bahara, the Garden of Sorrows. It is a garden of suffering, of curses upon Cain and his get, and a garden with the promise of eventual retribution. It is a garden of vengeance, and it is by this garden the Bahari take their name. I leave you now with what I have told you. Having learned of Lilith, having learned of Cain, we shall next turn our eyes unto those who would worship these two, the damned king and the demon queen. Ahi hai Lilito. To Adam and Eve he said, because ye did eat of the tree that I told ye to shun, ye shall be accursed. To the woman, he said, thou hast lifted thyself up to pluck the fruit of the Most High, and so thou shalt bend low all thy days. Thus I curse thee with pains. As thou plucked the fruit, so shall thy belly bear that fruit like stones. As thou spilled the seeds, so shalt thou pick up the seeds of man all thy days. As thou spilled the juice of the fruit, so shall thine own juices run with each turning of the moon. As thou craved the fruit of the Most High, so shall thou crave the fruit of man all thy days. The knowledge of good and evil rests with thee, but thou shalt recall it not. To the man he said, Thou hast shunned the grace to which thou was born. Thus I curse thee with toil. As thou cast down the first mate I made thee, thou shalt be cast down from my grace. As thou mated with the beasts of the field, so thou shalt be one with them in lust. As thou shaped and named with thy birth gift, so shalt thou shape and name throughout eternity. As thou bent thy knee to the woman, so shalt thou bow to her always, strong as thou might be. The knowledge of good and evil rests within thee, but thou shalt recall it not. To both of them he said, The wine of immortality has been spilled. Henceforth ye shall never taste it. I curse ye to die, and to return to the dust from which I made ye.
To Lucifer and Lilith he said, Because ye have disobeyed me in mine own garden, and have led my creations to error, ye shalt be accursed. To Lucifer he said, Because thou hast turned a blind eye to thy task, I curse thee with blindness. Because thou hadst an open heart, I curse thee with weariness. Because thou hast shown compassion, I make of thee a vessel of wrath. The sword shall be forever in thy hands, and thy comfort shall be as the kiss of worms. To Lilith he said, Thou hast tasted the wine of immortality, so thou shalt never die, but endure evermore until the closing of the eyes of the Ancient One, even as do I, and thou shalt perish at that time. And because thou hast spurned my love, thou shalt love none other, though thou might strive to do so. And thy womb shall overflow with children, but they shall love thee not, nor be a part of thee. And thine eyes shall see at night, but be blinded by the day. And thy skin shall crack in the sun of thy false love Lucifer, and shall heal under the light of the moon only. Thou hast become a shining one but thy light shall shine only by night. To both of them he said, Ye shall be the reapers of the fields, and your blades of true earth shall cut short the lives of Adam and Eve, and all their kind. At last he spoke unto them all, Because I have allowed this to come to pass, I curse myself with jealousy and exile. Henceforth I shall never walk among ye but as a mystery. I shall not take love except by command. I shall not trust, but keep my gates forever guarded. For my heart was open once, and because of that I shall die. And the man and woman wept, for they were without home or comfort. And Lucifer cried, Who art thou to curse us so, brother? We are as thou. And Lilith cried, Who art thou to curse us so, brother? We are as thou. The word of the Lord was thunder upon the wind. I do not curse ye so. The curse is your own action by which we are all bound. But this do I give ye, that the man and the woman should be one together, and the queen of night and the lord of day shall be one together, but that the lord of the garden shall be one alone, and he shall remove himself from their company. And he shall grow great, but be forever alone. Lilith wept at this, and Lucifer also, and they begged him to reconsider, but he would not. Their numbers are five, and they are dark gods. Snow, an insightful yet compassionate master. Bambi Parsons, whose passion inspires and leads by example. Dr. Sheepington, a sage and venerable keeper of ancient wisdom. The unemployed writer, whose words have guided nations through the aeons. And Dugal, the ancient and terrifying, who stalks the night. These are our masters, and to worship them is to attain salvation. Their childer, the Methuselah, sit like kings and queens above us, their wills ours to obey. They are Her Satanic Majesty Danny, reborn through fire and ice, Maximilian S. Hardcastle, a master of our ancient jihad, 
Socrates Johnson, a scholar and mentor, the ambitious and loyal Lauren Eason, the enigmatic yet influential Procyon, and Alexander Kanehurst of the dreaded Vilebloods. On the Council of the Primogen are seated Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, 06, Stonewolf 18, Jokerman, Ian Nichols, The Black Friar, Ravenfang, Brad Hardwick, and Pilgrim, wise leaders and of good judgment. This week the Council would wish to honor the elder June Pocciolo and the ancient Ray Crispy. We thank you for your loyalty. All of our elders, ancillae, and neonates receive our gratitude from the bottom of our heart. Without your support, this would not be possible. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for the time of thin bloods is surely upon us.